0: Have you ever been with a group of friends, and then it's just out, you're kind of out late, and you just get to that point where you become slightly delirious? You know, and and any word that's said, for whatever reason, it just becomes hysterical, and you're just laughing ridiculously for no real apparent reason. Um, You know, as we went to the conference this last week, and many of y'all were praying for us, and we appreciate that very much, it was a great time, but as we were driving down, we left immediately after service last Sunday and made it to Orlando around midnight. And we were kind of at that point, you know, where everything, just whatever was said, we were just laughing. I mean, we're ready to get to our hotel room and we're on Interstate 4 driving. And then there was this detour. And the detour took us and, you know, I'm from the Orlando area and I know Florida a little bit, that, that part of it. And the detour takes us to South Orange Blossom Trail. And if you know anything about uh, Orlando, you know, if you're going to circle one road, like one spot that you want to avoid, like do not go there. This is the most unsavory part of the city. That's the road you're circling and starring. and You're saying, we're not going on the trail, okay? And so we, we, we go the detour and we're turning on South Orange Blossom Trail And at that point, you know, Donnie's driving, we're just like, okay, drive real carefully here. The last thing we want is for like the four of us to be pulled over somewhere on South Orange Blossom Trail. And, you know, it hit the headlines, you know, four pastors on South Orange Blossom Trail get pulled over. We're driving through, and it's after midnight, okay? And, I mean, this is the part of the town where like all the drug activity's happening. There's ladies walking the streets trying to flag us down. And we're saying, hey, I don't think we have what you want, you know? we have what you need but maybe this isn't the time you know (laughs) and so finally we make it to where we're going and we had a great conference We we really did it was it was one of those things they had over 200 workshops for us to choose from so there was just a bunch of different choices and uh, and in a sense, we all got to go to our own conference, because we're all enjoying different workshops, and the theme was made for more, and we walked through the book of Ephesians and just looked at what the church is made to do, but it was kind of like drinking from a fire hydrant, you know, you're just, you're just right up there, and you're just getting everything you can, and I can tell you, us guys, we were drinking it up, I mean, as much as we could handle, and then we get back at the at the hotel at the end of the night, and we just kind of, it would all just come out again, and then on the way home, it just all comes out, and we're just all excited about what we got, and we're just sharing and getting it all out, and at one point, Donnie says, you know, I'm kind of ready to get home to my house full of women because I have used all my words for the week, you know, <laughs> I'm ready just to listen now. And that's kind of what it was for us. But if I could kind of sum up a little bit, you know, one implication that I took from the conference as I was just praying through and reflecting yesterday was that it's becoming increasingly more difficult to be a Christian in America. Okay, every every sign that we have, every every kind of thing that you look at in culture tells us that it will become increasingly more difficult to be a Christian in North America. And unless you know who you are, unless you know the faith, it's gonna be real easy just to be swept overboard. And if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who Christ has made you to be, who he has created you to be, if you don't know how God defines you, then the world will define you. And the world will always define you by your feelings. You will say, I feel like, and the world will say, ah, then you must be. And that's how it works. And so we must become convinced of who we are in Jesus, of our relationship with him, and what that means, because feelings lie to us all the time. Feelings will lie to us all the time, but God never will. And so as we've kind of been on this study and kind of looked these past four weeks at At who we are, just at our core, and who God has made us to be. We've seen that God has made us to share Jesus and to impact people. That at the core of who we are here at Central is to share Jesus and impact people. And so last week, we began to look at the process of disciple-making and what that looks like and a vision for how to equip people here at Central to mature in the faith and to live that abundant life that Jesus provides and promises. And we've been using the four chairs to kind of illustrate that, that picture. And so the fir- first chair, we've said this is the, this is the chair to connect And people who are away from God and disconnected from God, no matter their worldview, no matter their lifestyle, no matter how they're living, what they need most in life is to connect with God. They need the gospel. And once they have the gospel and they've connected with God, then they're a baby Christian. And to really get firmly planted into this chair, what they need most then is to be in God's family, you know, a, a baby needs a family, and so, so this baby Christian needs to be in the family, needs to worship with the body, and then to move into chair two, as you grow, you become a child in the faith. And a child, what a child needs most is to grow. A child, a child needs to grow and, and learn how to feed themselves, how to study God's word. A child needs to learn how to talk and, and how to pray to God. A child needs to learn how to clean themselves, how to... How to be able to look and diagnose the sin in their life and what they need to do in response to that. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the next two chairs. Chair three, which is the chair to serve, and then chair four, the chair to disciple. And so that's that's where we're headed this morning. Um, You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And we're looking really at the way that Jesus equipped his disciples, some challenges that Jesus gave to the guys who were following him. As we do this, you know, we've seen that first challenge to connect, and and to do that, Jesus gave the challenge, come and see, come and see, and then he told his disciples as they're growing, hey, follow me, sit at my feet, learn from me, and and grow in in the knowledge that I have to give you, and so now we're going to look at a couple more challenges that he he gave his disciples, Um, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom in healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers, they're few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So, Jesus, he's, he's taken his disciples, right, through all these cities, through all these villages, through all these towns. At this point, you're about 20 months into the public ministry of Jesus, and they have seen so much. And as he's out there and as, as he's out in the cities, in the villages, in the towns, he sees these people just in really hard, difficult situations. You can almost imagine that he's been to the South Orange Blossom trails of life. And they've seen this, and they've seen the difficulty and the struggles that people are dealing with. And Jesus says, what these people need most, what is needed most are workers. We need laborers. We need these chair three servants who will go out and will make a difference in society. But he says, you know, the chair three worker, the workers, they're few. Not not many people progress to this stage, this young adult stage in their faith. And we we, we have to ask the question, why is that? How come the workers are few? Why is it such a struggle to get to the point where where we are serving in the way God envisioned us to serve? Well, I think Jesus knew that it would be a struggle for people to get there. In fact, if you look at um, just any culture... Any culture that's ever been discovered on the face of the earth, every single culture that's been discovered has some type of religious uh, system. There is some type of a belief in God or gods or a higher power. Okay, there may be subsets of culture that are atheist or whatever, but there has not been a culture discovered that does not believe in some kind of higher power. And within all of these cultures, there's also always a spiritual leader. Whether it's a shaman, a medicine man, uh, a priest, there's always somebody who they can look at and they can say, okay, you're the spiritual leader of this place. And then, within, and then beyond that, there's always some type of spiritual rituals some types of things that you've got to do so that you can check the box and say, okay, I'm religious, I've pleased the gods, I've made the higher power happy, whatever it is. But these cultures, they tend to delegate most of the work to the spiritual leader, the shaman, the medicine man, the priest, whoever it may be, and say, okay, you're the leader, you kind of do things right, you represent us well, and we'll come alongside and we'll do whatever else we need to do just to appease everything and make it good. Jesus knows that in the heart of man is this idea that God exists, that that's driven into the heart of man. And also in the heart of man, we tend to want to take the easy way out. You know, we, 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 we don't typically ask the question, okay, what is the maximum that I'm supposed to do? What we tend to ask is, where's the line? You know, what's the minimum so that I can be okay and so that I can get the pat on the back and the gods are happy? And so this is what's driven into the heart of man. But the Christian life is not a natural life of just rules and trying to please God just by checking boxes. The Christian life that God has called us to is this supernatural life where everything is coming from him and nothing is coming from us. It's a life of resting and abiding in God so that his life can be expressed through us. And this is the life of the chair three uh, believer. And so at this point in Jesus' ministry... Jesus knows that, hey, in order to make these workers, these servers who are going to go out and really impact culture and change society, that he's got to focus with just a laser focus on them. And so from this point on in Jesus' ministry, we have recorded 16 times that he's preaching to the masses, that he's gathering the crowds and just kind of giving instructions. That occurs 16 more times. 47 more times, he's with his disciples. We have record of him just taking them aside and just talking to them and training them and instructing them so that they can be those chair three workers and servers to impact society because he knows there's this wide gulf between chair two and chair three. That most people never advance to that. You see, the command, the first command that he gave his disciples, come follow me, that's not a very difficult command. That wasn't too hard. The next one, to follow me, to learn from me, again, that's not too difficult. This next one, to be a worker, to be a servant, that's a whole other level. And so that's, this is where the challenge really becomes, and this is a hard level One of the reasons why this is a hard level, a difficult step to make, is because this is a struggle. You know how it is when you're a child in the faith, and you're just a child at home, and if you come from a good family, you know how it is, you're somewhat shielded from the struggles in life here. You're somewhat oblivious to the difficulties and the pain of the world if you come from a good good home. That it's not your responsibility to put food on the table to provide a place for your family to live, to be the provider and protector. That, that's not your responsibility. You're, you're kind of growing, you're learning, but that's not on you yet. But this is the stage where you enter the, the real world. And you, and you engage it. You don't retract from it, but you pursue it. And you know what happens when you hit the real world? Then you realize, man, life is hard. Life is difficult. This isn't easy. In fact, Jesus, he promises struggles for those who will follow him. He doesn't promise this perfect, carefree Disneyland life. He says, in this world, you will have struggles. It's going to be hard. In Hebrews 12, the the author says that life is a struggle. And he goes on to say you have to discipline yourself to endure. And that at times it will be painful in verse 11. And this is Philippians 3.10 as well when Paul says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And that I may share in his sufferings becoming like him in death. See to know him in a sense, this is chair one. To know the power of his resurrection, to grow and just who God is, that's chair two. But to share in the sufferings of Jesus, to become like him in his death, this is chair three, and that's hard. That's a struggle. That's that's difficult. And so we're struggling against the opposition as we engage the sin that is in the culture. And you struggle as you desire to to live this spirit-filled life wherever you go. And this gets to the second reason why Chair uh, 3 workers are so few. You look at John 15, and Jesus talks about abiding in him. And in the first part of that, as he has this meeting with his disciples, he says, Hey, my goal for you is that as you abide in me, you will move from no fruit to fruit to more fruit and to much fruit. That's what he says. You follow that through no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And there's this progression that's talking about here that you must abide in him. And in order to move from the fruit to the more fruit, Jesus says in John 15, what happens is pruning. That there's this pruning that takes place. And and if you're a gardener or anything, if you know anything about pruning, you know that pruning isn't just removing the things that are bad. It's also taking away things that are good so that an even more bountiful harvest can be produced, right? So that we can focus the growth, and so that even more fruit can happen. And so sometimes, the reason why this is so hard is we get comfortable. We say, I like this ministry. I like this place where I can serve. I like this job. I like what's going on here. I like the friends that I have here. I like whatever. And Jesus says, I know that, but I've made you for something more. I want to take you to some place deeper so that you can have even more impact. And there's this pruning that takes place where we sometimes have to turn away, but sometimes people are going to just shrug their arms and say, "No, no, this is good. I'm just going to stay right here. And so we don't go any further. And sadly, tragically, I believe that the church in America has largely looked at this and said, you know, calling people to that is just too hard. People aren't gonna do that. And so we've tried to make an easier way to be a disciple and instead what we've really encouraged is believers just to, sh- just to stay in chair two. Let me show you what I mean. The step between chair two And chair three is the hardest step. It's the step most people don't make. The workers are few. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that right past chair two, in between chair two and chair three, that this wide gulf is culture. Okay, This is the cultural divide right here. And the way most churches have done their discipleship is... It goes something like this, that hey, lost people, if you will come and cross the cultural divide and come here, we will teach you what to believe. We'll teach you what to believe about Jesus. And then we'll teach you how to behave and what a Christian life looks like. And then you'll belong here. You'll be part of the family. You can just stay right here. It will be good. You can serve here. You can use your gifts here. And this will be great. The the, the typical church discipleship program is believe, behave, belong. And this is spiritual maturity. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that right next door to you, a Muslim family moves in. Nice family, okay? You meet the guy, you're out raking your leaves one day, you meet the guy, he's a nice guy. His name's Muhammad, and you're just kind of chatting up with him, hearing his story about how he moved here, whatever, and nice guy. And as as you go around your your business, you, you live in this neighborhood, from time to time, you continue to interact with him, continue to have conversations with him. And then one day, he comes to you, and he says, hey, John, you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I'd like to invite you to my mosque. I think you'd really like it. We've got this great children's program. I mean, the kids love it. It's so much fun. It's, it's all this cool stuff going on. And, you know, we got this new imam, and he's really good. He, he tells just relevant stories and stuff, real personal. He's kind of a young guy. You know, he's, I think you'd really like him. Would you come to our mosque? You're not going, right? You're saying there's, there's no way. I mean, it's nice that he's inviting you. It's nice that he cares enough and he's trying to get you there. But based on everything you know, and you're, you're not going to a mosque. Because this is built into you. The church largely does the same thing. Instead of us crossing the cultural divide and going to people... And saying, okay, let me hear from you. Let me belong in your community. Let me kind of behave uh, with you, live life with you. And now let me share with you who Jesus is so that I can win you to Jesus and then take you to be part of the family. We kind of do it the other way. We kind of ask the lost people to make the jump over the cultural divide. You see what I'm saying? We ask them to say, hey, leave everything you know about clothing and just come check us out. We think you'll like it. We've got a cool children's program. Our youth program's great. You'll like the worship. You'll like the preaching. You'll like it. You'll enjoy it. It'll be relevant. It'll be helpful. When you look at the way... As we've looked through the Book of Acts, and as you read through the Gospels, the way that Jesus trained his disciples, and the way that the church impacted that culture in the first century and then beyond, was it was the disciples, it were the believers who are making the leap over. They're the ones who cross culture. And you, you you see people. It's rarely ever in in the Gospels in the Book of Acts where you see someone being saved in church. It almost never. Happens. The people are coming to faith in the community, at other places of worship, in temples, in places like this, because faithful men and women know hey, I've got to be a worker. I've got to go to them to expect them to come to us. Why do we expect them to make the hardest step? We've got to be the worker. We've got to go to them. And so, as we talk about this discipleship process, God's challenge for us is to be that chair three worker, that chair three servant, to, to, to serve in such a way that we add value to our culture, for us to be the ones who will cross the cultural divide and to go to them, to win them to Jesus and then get them to church, and, and this is the way it's done, I mean, Jesus in the early church, they're not trying to win people to be servers in the church. Okay, when we talk about this chair three serve, I want you to understand serving in the church, that's a chair two, that's a chair two position. Okay, this is like asking your kids to do chores. Okay, you're learning. This is good. You're learning what it looks like to serve others, to love others, to live in a family. But it's kind of safe here, right? Because even if there's, people get upset and things go a little, a little astray once in a while, we're still part of a family. We, we still love one another. We still assume the best of one another. Things here are still somewhat clean. As you move to be that chair three servant, now you're serving culture. And here, things get messy. Things are not always clean. People will look down upon you. They won't want anything more to do with you anymore. And will you continue to serve? See, this is the role of the chair three servant. It, that is the practice field. And we need the practice field. And we need to serve in the church. I'm, I don't want to minimize that one bit. But to take that next step is then to serve culture to serve community. We are called to be the ones who bring God's transformative influence into all aspects of culture. We're to be the ones who redeem all aspects of culture. But you can see why that's way more comfortable, can't you? And you can see why so often people fail to make this step. Because here, we can find a church that we like, that we feel like we just fit in well, meets our preferences. I can study. I can learn about God. I can be comfortable. And we value comfort. But that's dangerous. Now I'm crossing this cultural divide, and now I'm in culture, a culture that doesn't look anything like me anymore, but see, God has sent us as ambassadors into that. It's not something that we shy away from and say, "Oh, look how bad they are." And you know, our culture is the one who points fingers at everybody else. You know, it's their problem. If they would only lead differently, if they would believe like we do, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans, and they're trying to culture pits people against one another. God says, no, "Will you just love them? Will you go and impact? Stop pointing fingers." Because what these people need most is Jesus. It's not to believe your politics, it's not to look like you. They need Jesus. And then He will renew their thinking. He will He will change their minds. That's how God works. And so that's the big step that we've been called to make, that we've been challenged to take. But God says, hey, those chair three workers are few. Because it's a struggle. Because it's hard. But as you take that step, then all of a sudden, God's creativity begins to work in your life. And you start thinking, you know, how many neighbors do I really know? You know, I think I'm going to start holding some neighborhood barbecues, and I'm just going to start to get to know my neighbors so I can pour into them. You know, I'm going to start getting to know the people in my classes at school and so that I can just kind of engage them and hear what they believe and and, and, and form that bridge that I can tell them what I believe. Same thing at work. Same thing where you play. All of a sudden your life is on mission because you want to be this transformative influence in culture. God has called us to something more. But one of the things I um, learned this week that sadly, few churches are producing any chair three disciples. Less than 20% of churches in America are growing. And of the churches that are growing, only 1% are growing because they're bringing lost people to faith in Jesus. The majority of people who who are being saved in most churches are children of people already attended already attending. This is what's happening in our culture. We now live in a day and age when foreign countries are sending missionaries to America because American churches aren't doing the job of reaching their culture. That we've made it easy just to be home right here. And we've said that if you serve right here in your local church, and you love people here, this is a mature disciple. And effectively what we've done is we've stunted people's growth right at chair two. So this is the challenge. But God hasn't just left us at chair three. He actually wants us to take another step to chair four, and that's the next challenge. That's the challenge that he gives to all believers. Understand this. This is not like other world religions. They want to create just a spiritual leader who they can say, okay, you're the one who does the hard stuff. We just get to check some boxes. But God says the mission that I have for my church is so big that I need every single one of you on it. This is not a job for a select few or some paid professionals. This is a job for all of us. That I want all of you to be these chair for believers, and this comes from the Great Commission. When God said, when Jesus says in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, to to go and make disciples of all nations. This is that disciple-making person, to disciple people. Because eventually, as you're here, and you're impacting culture, and you're winning people, and you're sharing Jesus, and you're impacting lives, you get that realization that, you know what, I could impact a whole lot more people if other people were doing this with me. That if I wasn't doing this alone, and so we begin to bring other people along, and as you bring other people along and you teach them how to do what you're doing, you're entering this chair for discipleship role. In John 15, we talked about it earlier, as Jesus says, hey, I want you to abide in me, and as you abide in me, you'll move from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And he says, As you abide in me, then I will abide in you, and you will produce much fruit. And then he makes the statement that, hey, I will no longer call you worker, I'll call you friend. See, this chair, you enter into this deep personal friendship with God, where you know, studying your Bible is not something that you feel, like, obligated to do. Like, okay, it's, it's not like eating your vegetables, you know, or, okay, I know this would be good for me, so I'll, I'll try to read my Bible a little bit. You now, once you enter this stage, it's like, I, I can't imagine not waking up and having some time with God. It, once you enter this stage, it's not like, hey, you know, let me try to carve out some time to pray. When you enter here, you, your life is just this constant prayer where, you, where you're asking God, hey, will you... Will, you, uh, will your spirit indwell me so that I can live the life you've called me to live, that I can't do this on my own? And we can't. I mean, you, you try to live chair three on your own. You're going to fail. You're going to get tired, you're going to grow weary. That's why Jesus said, hey, don't grow weary of doing good. Keep at it, endure. Press on. And and once you get to this stage, you've got, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to say, hey, this is no longer about me anymore. I'm going, to, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm just going to follow Jesus. It's not about my preferences or anything like that. You know, the chair three person, I meant to say this earlier, but the, but the chair three person, they, they will say things like, hey, do you think we could vary the worship songs at our church service so that people from other cultures will feel at home here. The the chair three person will say, hey, I've started a barbecue at my house to reach my neighbors. Um, You know, it's just so so exciting. A chair three person would say, hey, I met someone at the grocery store the other day and prayed for them. These are things that the chair three person will say. And once you get to the chair four person, now, now it sounds just a little bit different. They're saying, hey, I, I had a barbecue at my house and got the neighbors over, and I also invited three other guys from church just to be able to show them what I'm doing so that they can do the same things in their neighborhoods. They'll say, hey, I, I started this, this club at school just where people can come and ask questions and, and talk about faith so that I can just kind of begin to share with them and impact them and I've invited three of my other friends from the youth group so that they could do the same thing it's 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 the chair th- for person who says you know I'm, I'm at work and I've just begun to intentionally go after a couple guys at uh at my workplace and I'm bringing them along to hang out with them and I'm bringing some others along so that they can see just what I'm doing so that they can do the same things where they work See, the chair for person, the reason why they go from uh, more fruit to much fruit is because now their fruit is growing on other people's trees. The life of Christ is now being reproduced in them in such a way that they're seeing the life of Christ now reproduced in others who they are intentionally bringing along. So, hey, you can do the same thing I'm doing, you can be this type of disciple maker. And he's called us all to live chair four lives. He's called us all to go and to make disciples, to bring people along. And the challenge for all of us is that it's really easy just to stay right here. It's really easy just to stay in chair two. But you know, we all have a next step to take. None of us have arrived. And even once you get to chair four, the, the command that Jesus gives in John 15 is to abide, to remain, to stay because you need the spirits the spirits indwelling all the time. This is a spirit empowered life. You can't do it on your own. So that's the challenge that's that's the progression. and as we've looked at it and prayed about it just as a leadership team and okay, how are we going to make chair for disciples? Here at Central, what are we going to do? Well, we look, first of all, at chair three, and we say, hey, right now, we're not doing a good enough job right here. We got to do better right here, just equipping people and helping people understand how God has made them and and designed them to function in culture and in society. And so one of the things that we've begun looking at is how are we going to build relationships within the community so that we can send people out in small groups just to serve community and to impact people. And so that's one of the things we're looking at. And we kind of got the ball rolling on that. And hopefully by the fall that we're going to be able to send people out to do that. And then for this chair four, and another thing that, that, I, that I've begun studying now is just a series on, uh, a sermon series that we'll either hit in the summer or next year sometime, just about who is a biblical neighbor and how are we to treat biblical neighbors and things like that. And so that's a series that we'll be beginning at some point, maybe next year, maybe in the summer, I don't know. But, um, but that's coming. And then for chair four, as we've structured like, leading and serving within the church, we've envisioned this discipleship pipeline. So it's not that we just come up and we serve and we do a task and this is good, but that we, that we want to promote people and encourage them to, hey, pour into those who you're serving with. And so, we, hey, we want everyone to be able to serve. We want everyone to be on the practice field, right? You're going to be more effective in society if you begin serving people here. That's just how it works. And so we, we want to develop just team members, anyone who's serving, anyone who's kind of a part of the dream team here at Central to make the ministries and everything happen. You know, that's kind of a team member. But then we want to promote people who are just really excelling and doing a great job and, and who just love people into this team leader role. Were they able to look at others they're serving with and encourage them and give them tips and training on, okay, hey, here's some skill development that would help you excel even more, and here's some character development that, you, that would help you excel even more? And then beyond that, some coaches who can get with some team leaders and just encourage them and make sure that that this discipleship process is working and maybe some tips on how you can invest in people better. And and anyway, we we want to just encourage the ingenuity and the creativity and the intentionality of our people. And so this is some of what's coming. and, And we've already started this. And if you're serving here at Central, You've probably already heard some of this language and some of what we're doing. But this is where we're headed because we want to make chair for disciples because that's what Jesus called us to be, people who intentionally impact our society for his glory. As we do that, we realize that we end up in some hard places sometimes, some places like South Orange Blossom Trail, Where you look at it and you've got that one circled on your map, and you say, that's where to avoid. But then all of a sudden, something happens in the life of a believer. And you circle places like South Orange Blossom Trail, and maybe you don't go there at midnight, but you go there. And you say, God wants to transform this part of my city too. He wants to be Lord of this street too. So we need faithful men and women who will take that big leap and cross that giant cultural divide and say, I'm going to share Jesus and impact people. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be called to do hard things to the messy places of life. But God, as we look at you, our Savior, we realize that you stepped out of a perfect heaven into a messy earth. You're not calling us to do something that you haven't shown us how to do. So God, help us to follow your example. Help us to move and progress and mature in our discipleship process that we look more and more like you. And God, we realize that as we go that it will be a struggle and it will be hard and that we will have to endure sometimes. But God, we move from this point where it's enduring to where we count all things as joy, because we know you're with us, because we know you're making us more like you. So God, this week, help us to begin to take steps, maybe the next steps in our own lives, to be those chair three workers, those chair three servants, as we share you, as we desire to impact people. We recognize that we can't do this by ourselves, so we ask this by the power of your Holy Spirit and through the grace of your Son, whom we love, Jesus Christ. Amen.